listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participants, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Oh, stomping Jen. You have to be quiet, that menagerie. What, of the apes? I love the apes. We're not quieting the apes. I am going to make the apes louder. Well, I'm excited. On this episode, we have Paula Valletta from Studio 338 Handwoven. Paula is an artist who creates um, one-of-a-kind textiles for home and body using um, what we like to think of as a mid-century aesthetic, okay? Cool. I'm really excited. You know, I've told you before, Stomping Jen, I love talking to artists. Mm -hmm. They are some of the most fascinating people out there. That's right. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. I'm ready. Are you ready? So ready. All right, let's go. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Oh, stomping Jen. Here we are once again. Another night. Yes, and we're here with Paula Valletta. So let's say hi to Paula. Hi, Paula. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking to you. I was on your various uh, websites throughout the week, um, preparing for our conversation and looking at all of the beautiful, intricate things that you produce in your studio. And I got really excited to talk to you. So first, I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of tell us a little bit more about who you are and maybe tell us um, anything that I failed to mention that you think is important. Well, um, I am a textile artist, mainly uh, using a loom, a weaving to create my textiles that I like to turn into things um, that are functional. Uh, so a lot of my textiles become pillows because I'm very into dimension. Mm-hmm. A lot of weavers want to make just flat things, and that's not my thing. Um, also garments. I like to make scarves. Um, but yeah, it's all about color and texture for me. That's my big driver. Okay. And um, textiles are, I think, and I'm really ignorant of this art form. So it's a type of weaving, right? Is that typically what we what we think of when we're dealing with textiles is, is a weaving type of process? Um, textiles could mean a lot of different things. You have crochet, you have knitting, you have uh, needlepoint. Um, all those things, including weaving, can be considered textiles. Okay. Um, and you do work with weaving, right? That is something that you practice with the, um, and you mentioned the loom before. Is what happens on a loom a form of weaving? So, the, yes, weaving, um, 
typically you you need a loom of some sort. It can be very uh, basic, like if you've seen a textiles from South America or some places in Asia, they use what's called a back strap loom, where you literally have the strap around your back um, tied to a rod in front of you and that you have set up as your loom. Um, that's like sort of one of the most rudimentary forms of weaving. You can also have like just like a picture frame with nails in it and string strung across it. And that is considered a loom as well. Hmm. Hmm. What kind, um, what kind of looms do you work with? Do you have more than one kind or do you work with just uh, multiple, multiple forms of looms? I have several looms. And the reason is once you have a warp on the loom, we like to say it's kind of tied up. There's not much you have to like finish the uh, the right. the warp that can be quite long. It can be, you know, some weavers like have 14 yards of warp on their loom. That's the material that goes uh, across a long ways mm-hmm. to make the cloth. Like if you see a bolt of cloth, mm-hmm. um, it's the length. That's the warp. Hmm. Um Okay, that's called a warp. Right, okay. so like yes. if you're working on multiple projects at one time, you need multiple looms is what I'm hearing Exactly, you say. Yeah. And, and there's different styles of weaving. There's another thing that I like to play with sometimes where you have this, they're literally like a deck of cards with holes in them that get threaded in a very particular manner. And you can weave what's a band, like a guitar strap, for instance, size band or a camera strap. Oh, okay. And it's all, it's all so you you tie it to a doorknob to get some tension on the warp, and you twist the cards particular ways um, to make the uh, different patterns. Hmm. It's very interesting, uh, sort of time consuming, but very interesting uh, way to weave. Hmm. Now, the looms you work with um, are they what we should think of as machines? Are they large? Um, I don't even know how to describe it. Large things that like you sit at and you manipulate pieces of them. Like describe what a loom might look like to us. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so looms, you know, started out being quite large. You have what's called a barn loom, Hmm. which is literally the size of a room Mm -hmm. that a person kind of sits in and, you know, manipulates. It is, it is like a machine, but think of it, it's, it's all wood and the mechanical parts of it are all driven by the weaver. There's no, well, there are mechanized looms, but, um, in, in my case, I don't use a mechanized loom, but Mm -hmm. some people do. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. Like, I don't know why in my mind, like, I know you're not talking about this at all, but like, I can't help but think about like, I, as a, as a kid, um, and my daughter has recently gotten into like embroidery floss bracelets, like just knotting the string yeah, to make pattern on a bracelet. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why I'm thinking about that, but like, as you're talking about a loom, like that's, well, that's a, the um, image that comes to my mind, which is not what you're talking about. But the type all. of thing you're describing is yeah. a woven object it would be a type of thing that a person might wear or right. something like that um paula do you do, do you work on that scale of like something like a bracelet or do you tend to work with woven objects and textiles that are bigger in scale yeah 
Yeah, definitely bigger. You know, mm -hmm. the the width for a scarf. I like to weave wide scarves because those will be like about 15 inches. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I have a loom that can weave like 45 inches wide. Wow. So that's about as wide as I go. But back to your idea of the knotting, yeah. that's actually how Persian carpets are made. Oh, wow. Really? So you actually have to tie these particular kind of knots over every warp end. So let's say, you know, you have a carpet that's four feet wide. There's X number of warp ends. Let's say, you know, 500 just off the top of my head. No, probably not that many. But anyways, you have to tie a knot around each one of those. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, they get packed in place um, with mm -hmm. another uh, thread in between. Hmm. Um, so it's very labor intensive. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you um, produce, um, was it like pillows and other types of wearables? What are, what are the types of wearable things that you make with textiles and through the, the process of, of weaving um, so ponchos are a big one for me as some kind of wrapped garment. That's, um, I'm, I, I do a few constructed pieces that are kind of like sweaters. Um, but they're very basic. Mm -hmm. They're not a lot of, it's, um, it's a lot to weave, spend a lot of time weaving fabric and then cut it up. You mm -hmm. know, you have to have a pattern and everything. And then you, you mess up, you don't have, you can't go get extra yardage. You just have what you have. So yeah. I've, I've started to experiment with that, but not a lot yet. Yep. Yeah. And I notice, I notice right now you're wearing um, what looks like a scarf or something around your neck. Is that yes, an example a, of something you've made? Yes. It's a cowl. A cowl. Oh, cool. Oh, yes, cool. <laughs> so yes, I like to make these because when I put a warp on to weave scarves, I always like to put these on there too, because I can weave them much quicker because they're short. Mm. yeah i have to say like i love a wrap or a scarf you know uh the time no i'm not kidding the times when i'm cold and um i'm sitting down here in our in our little studio which also doubles as my office when i'm working sometimes i wrap myself in like a knitted scarf right mm -hmm. and i don't know where you got this thing from i think it's wool but it makes me feel like cozy it makes me feel wrapped up like it does something to you aside from just making you warm like it makes you emotionally it's like warm. you're swaddled like a baby <laughs> yes um, there is it, that yeah is that is something about that reaction that people have hopefully it's not just me um to those garments like one of the reasons you you work with that form like a wrap or a um a cowl or or something else like that yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, as I mentioned before, I like to work with dimension. So the body, you know, is a form of dimension for cloth to get wrapped around and it takes a different shape depending on who the wearer is. Mm -hmm. So that to me is very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And as I'm thinking about it, um, Stomping Jen mentioned it's like being swaddled. And I think there's something to that, like that that sense of security, that feeling mm -hmm. of being wrapped up in something, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That attracts people to um, like these blankets, blankets and these and types of and... these types of garments. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Um, do you do you find when people um, 
uh, share with you their experiences with your garments like that, that they have that kind of reaction to them? Like it's, it's, it's like satisfying something deep inside of us. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, pre COVID when people could come to my studio, um, during like an open studio, just watching people put something around their body, you could just, yeah, you could, you had a sense of, um, that connection of, of coziness and mm-hmm. uh, comfort. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there something you, um, you find particularly interesting or satisfying about working with textiles and the process of starting with, um, like, I guess it's thread or the raw material and turning it into something that can, a person could wear or, you know, display on their couch and snuggle up with like, is what, what about the process intrigues you or has attracted you to it? It, it, weaving is very process oriented. And as you say, you know, you start out with yarn and then you have to put, you have to make a warp and then you have to get it on the loom. And there's so much involved in all of that. And, you know, planning what you're going to weave, what the pattern's going to look like, um, what the material's for. There's a lot of mathematical calculation to figure all that out. Um, And then the whole process of sitting at the loom and watching the, you know, the color and the texture and the pattern come together. I find, I just find that really, uh, just really thrills me. Uh, when you sit down to design a piece or think about a pattern that you want to see on a pillow or on a cowl or a wrap, how does that start? Do you, do you, does it all sit inside of your head and you just go to the, the loom and start the process or do you sketch it out on paper? Like walk us through how you take a design idea and and get it onto a a finished product? So I have two different approaches. So the pillows are very much free form and spontaneous where I just pick the yarn I want to use, put it on my simplest loom and just kind of go at it um, with some very uh, basic kind of ideas and let it kind of form from there you know, based on what colors I'm using. The other things like uh, a blanket or um, a garment, I have, I work on a more sophisticated, uh, more complicated loom and that requires me to plan do a lot more planning. So I have a, a computer program that allows me to make up the patterns, which are called drafts. Um, but then I take that information and apply it to all the other steps in the process. Yeah, I, and that was a question I had for you, is what role computers and software play in your process? And it sounds like they do play a role. Absolutely. So, I mean, think of graph paper. We've all seen graph yep. paper, right? So, the, the program lets you fill in the design on the graph paper, basically, with um, some numbers that tell me, like, how I'm going to thread my loom and how I'm going to, so there's different parts to the loom. There's the harnesses that get the warp threads. And then there's the treadles that are the pedals, kind of like piano uh, playing a piano that you step on to make the pattern. Um, So that the computer program lets me lay all that out visually so I can see what the cloth is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And I can also plug in color 
Um, it's not exact, but it's close enough that gives me an idea of what it's going to look like. Now, does the loom in some way connect to the computer in any way? Um, not mine. There are looms that you can directly com- uh, connect to the computer that actually lift the harnesses. So instead of having multiple pedals, you need to step on. It only has one and it does all that work for you. Okay. And those are usually looms that have many harnesses. Mm-hmm. And is it a deliberate choice you've made as an artisan to not use a computer driven loom like that? Are you, are you attracted to the, um, the actual kind of physical tactile work of it, of yourself? Is that what I guess I'm asking is do you deliberately not have a more, um, technologically advanced loom? Um, I don't have one right now because um, I just have other looms at the moment. I mean, someday I would like to have one of mm-hmm. those looms, but mm-hmm. I have such a variety that I work on that one that's extremely simple to one that's, you know, much more complex, but not at the level of being computer driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the thing that keeps popping into my mind when I'm thinking about these looms is going on a field trip when I was a, a <laughs> child. I, I grew up on the North Shore of Massachusetts and uh-huh, there, there yeah. was this um, in a town called Danvers and there was this place called yeah. the Rebecca Nurse Homestead. And I think we went in, in there and they had this like incredibly large, almost like room-sized loom. And I remember looking at it as a child and seeing all of the threads going into it mm-hmm. and just having my mind blown about how <laughs> complex it looked like. And I just like, I couldn't, and I still can't wrap my head around it. When I look at um, pictures of these things, it, it seems very complex. It, it is one of those things. It's um, students often are like, Oh my God, I don't think I'll ever be able to do this. But it, it's one of those things that if you, break it down into pieces mm-hmm. and, and digest one piece at a time. And then it starts to make sense and it doesn't look so overwhelming. Whew, I'm glad my reaction then isn't, <laughs> isn't, isn't an abnormal one. Cause no, not at all. Yeah. Um, do you, I mean, do you teach people how to use looms? I then? have, yep. Yeah. I have taught classes. Cool. Yep. Um, now, what kind of fibers do you work with um, in, in your um, in your art in your artistic um, products? So uh, the pillows are wool; they're all wool. Um, I'm currently making some blankets that are also all wool, and the garments I usually use uh, combinations of cotton and some very soft wools like sweater kind of wools that you might use for knitting. Um, I also like to use uh, a material called Tencel, mm-hmm. which is a synthetic. It's, it's, uh, it's made out of, uh, it's made from uh, the plastic, bamboo. Right? Or, it's not plastic. It's a uh, wood pulp. It's a synthetic process to make it. But anyways, that I use to make scarves. Uh, do you have a favorite fabric to work with? One that stands out in your mind if you, you know, if you had to pick? Uh, this I lo- one, yeah. Yeah. The pillows are really my favorite thing because they're, um, they're just fun because I can play around. There's not a lot of forethought and planning and um, t- 
tediousness <laughs> on some level to making the working with the wool. But mm -hmm. in the summer, not so comfortable. So <laughs> then I revert back to cotton and, and linen, too. Mm. Uh, linen is a great thing to weave with. Um, do you is do you have a favorite kind of wool or all wools like created equal? Like is an alpaca wool easier to work with than a sheep wool or is, does it not make a difference? Um, it depends. So very fuzzy wools can be difficult to work with, something like mohair. Um, but the wool I use is, uh, you know, pretty uh, soft and not very uh, sticky or, or fibrous. Why do you think wool? I mean, I, I'm under the impression that Wool has fallen out of favor, and I love wool. Wool is. I don't know that it's fallen out of favor. Well, this is just my impression, <laughs> stomping Jen. I may be wrong, but I Why love. Because um, sometimes I feel like I don't see a lot of wool. Like people wearing like wool pants aren't a thing anymore. That's are they? not true. It is. Well, I see. You're thinking more of like fabric, like clothing yeah. made out of. I, whereas I think more like sweaters and scarves yeah. and mm. and things like that. I guess I just don't you know want. What, I don't what you're want. About. What you're talking about? Fast fashion. What's that mm. mean? So there's the advent of fast fashion. So like people in yesteryears when they used to make their clothing or they couldn't afford to buy because it was expensive and they bought like, you know, a couple of outfits that they wore and they washed yeah. and they wore and they washed. They were made out of more durable fabrics. But today, in today's world, right. you, you can buy cheap cheap stuff that's made in China or, you know, over in Asia and they mm -hmm. call it fast fashion, like stuff like from old Navy and stuff they sell at Target. So it's meant to not last. I'm frustrated because <laughs> uh, let me tell you why I love wool and I don't want it to be resigned to hats and scarves. You don't have to. They sell wool clothing. We'll talk about this offline. Okay. But <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I have a, th I have no, Paula, right. I have a thing for wool apparently. And it's just this, Talk of well, wool has got me all worked up. Well, that's interesting because there are some groups around the country that are trying to create these fiber sheds. Um, and what that is, is they go to local farmers and they get the wool. They go to local mills and have it processed. They go to um, a weaver and weave the cloth and then they turn the cloth into garments. So mm -hmm. that's a thing mm -hmm. that's happening. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's a very small scale, but yeah. Probably There's like, people who are into it. Probably the backlash to the fast fast fashion. Exactly, movement, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> all right. We've talked enough about wool. I had more questions about wool, but I'm going to move us along from wool. Um, okay. Um, do you? Is there when you think of the most challenging fiber to work with? What comes to mind? Oh, something very fine something incredibly thin so a very very fine linen or silk can be kind of tricky because oh, um, mm -hmm. the tension has to be just right or as threads start to snap mm -hmm. and then that's a really a pain in the to fix them mm -hmm. yeah is that fixable like how do you you have to like splice the threads back together sort of yeah yeah it's it's kind of like that you have to kind of weave it in place mm -hmm. and you know make a new thread and it's just it's not fun. Mm. Not a fun process. Yeah. One that I, I don't like to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, when when it comes to uh, sitting down, if that's the right word, at a loom and working with it, I'm wondering if there if there's something I'm kind of thinking in a in a meta sense about 
um, the human machine interaction and producing an artifact from that. Is there something about that that interests you? Yeah, it's very physical. It's sort of like my upper body workout when I'm working mm-hmm. at my big loom because I have to hold my arms, you know, as you know, 45 inches apart to mm-hmm. throw the shuttle back and forth. Oh, wow. Um, so it can be very, very physical in that way. A lot of upper body stuff. Yeah. And I had a question for you about that, actually. Like, that, that this seems like it's probably really physically challenging work. And do you have to... Do you have to make sure you're taking, you know, care of yourself to be able to continue it? Like what kind of what, what kind of things do you have to do to make sure you're in shape to do the work? Absolutely. So I find yoga very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, any kind of like stretching um, stuff, definitely upper body and mm-hmm. also legs because, you know, you're stepping on these treadles and lifting up in, in my case, in my big loom, eight harnesses and they're heavy. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's yeah it's total it's like a total body workout so if you don't stretch and keep in shape that way you won't be able to do it for very long um, a lot of artists and creative people talk about the state of flow right so and when you're when you're there doing what you do on the loom and you know moving your arms and your legs and moving around do you do you get into that state of flow and feel like you're one with the machine in a way? And Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly do feel that way. Um, it's, it's such a, yeah, it's such a process because you're, you're weaving this cloth and you're having to look at it and pay attention that you don't make a mistake because going back and undoing it is also problematic. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a whole, you know, and, it's a whole experience of, and as like you're, you said. and as you're creating, uh, like in my mind, part of me is thinking about um, driving a stick shift in a car, <laughs> right? Like, you know, you're you're using both of your feet, both of your hands, and after you get enough practice, mm-hmm. like with it, it sort of becomes automatic. And like one of the things I was wondering is, after you've started a piece when you get into it, is is there a point where you can kind of turn your brain off and just give into the the process somewhat? Or are you, are you always, like you said, having to pay attention because the design shifts as you're going along on a piece or. Yeah. I tend to like the more complex. So I'm always paying attention. (laughs) All right. So no turning, no turning your brain off. then. Mm -hmm. The only time I could do that is if I'm, weaving what's called plain weave, which is very basic cloth, which we've all seen, which is just, you know, over, under, over, under each mm-hmm. thread. It, then I don't have to think it's, it's, that can be easy, but I don't weave that cloth all that much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason that you do that kind less? Is it just less in demand or you just prefer to do the more challenging pieces? I'm, yeah, I'm just, I just like to make things difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I you know, think that, that's the artisan part of it, right? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, otherwise it's just, you know. Yeah. I mean, your, your, your designs are very beautiful and very, you know, I wouldn't call them difficult in my mind, you know, but maybe the, the, the act of creating them might be difficult, but they're, they're, um, they're complex and they're, they're, they're beautiful designs. Um, and just so I want to mention to people too, as we're talking, um, 
Paula um, has an Instagram mm-hmm. um, page, um, a Facebook page, mm-hmm. and a website. And we're linking to all of those things in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So as we're talking about your designs, um, people... Go look at Go look, go check out um, Paula's website, her Instagram, her Facebook, and you could see all of these things. Um, so you could see what we're talking about here. Um, so kind of um, back to the art form itself. Um, I'm kind of curious um, what draws you to it as a form of expression for your yeah. for your art versus painting or drawing. Why, why, why fiber arts? That's a very good question. <laughs> I kind of fell into it in a way. I, um, I was, I worked with clay for a really long time, mm-hmm. which is completely different medium. Um, but I've always been interested in fiber and I experimented with it years ago. And I got myself in a situation I was teaching and um, the opportunity came up to switch over to fiber arts. And so I did that because I already was knew how to knit and crochet and, um, you know, sew and all those things. But weaving was something that I wasn't as strong on and, and I just was really drawn to it. And it's just, it just sort of taps all those buttons for me as far as like the color and the texture and, the tactile feeling of it, mm-hmm. of, you know, the hands on the fibers and um, the loom and all that, all the, those pieces and parts. Mm. So interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and thinking about that point when you were uh, working with clay and ceramics and you were a ceramics instructor, right? I think at mm-hmm. that time. Yep. What did, what did that feel like to, to say, okay, um, I'm, I'm established in this one artistic domain. I've, I've mastered it. Um, what did it feel like to kind of start all over again and and become a student again in, in a new medium? It was refreshing. It was, um, I still love clay. I still collect clay and I sort of, in the back of my mind, think about it now and then. But I had really sort of, it had run its course for me at that point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was hard because it was something new and I would, I'd have to, yeah, be a student again, um, which I, I felt like I was with a student with clay anyways. Um, but, but this was just a jump, you know, a big leap mm-hmm. and um, it, I, it was fine with it. Yeah. You said you had always been interested in it. Is, is this going back a long ways in your life you were always like back to when you were a child or a, a you know a young adult um was fiber something you were interested in back then yeah definitely as a child like um i remember sitting with my grandmother and she taught me to crochet and there's just was always you know interest my mother sewed so there was always interesting textiles around that i could observe and you know get into um, materials and yeah I just it was it was a toss-up you know and in college it was really the toss-up between clay and fiber and at that point I just really enjoyed the clay studio more and so I drifted into that world 
but fiber was always kind of there in the back of your mind bouncing around, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think cro I I'm fascinated by crocheters. Like I'm when fascinated I by any any <laughs> I can't knit, I can sew, I can't do anything. Oh, I think you can. I you, mean, I've never intentionally put any energy into say learning. Say you don't do any of those things I versus don't. can't. I don't. No, I'm just saying you're saying you can't do yes, them, but you, what I'm saying is you should correct. say I don't do correct. those things. I have yeah. um, been uh, somebody once. My mother did try to teach me how to knit, and it did not go very well. Like crochet? No knit. What's the, what do you mean? <laughs> They're two different. Fo- Knitting is different than crocheting. I don't. I literally don't understand. Well, don't help ask me, me because. I don't okay, know how to do <laughs> Paula, can you can you help us uh, resolve yes. this debate? Is there a difference between <laughs> knitting and crocheting? Yes. In crochet, you have one tool, a, a hook. Okay. And in knitting, you have two sticks. Oh, right. Basic rudimentary yeah. difference like, between knit, the two. Knit and pearl, knit and pearl. Yeah, I could never get right. the counts right, and I would always lose a count, and I would just it would yeah. just turn into a disaster. Um, okay, that is enlightening for me. I didn't know that. <laughs> Why they're called something completely different? Well, they're, they're not both knitting. They're not both crocheting. I know. I thought different. maybe they were just like colloquialisms no. for the same thing. No, they're but, different. Okay, so they're different techniques. Uh, techniques. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Right. <clears throat> and I, you know, I always think to myself, I've always viewed people who they just like pull out of a bag, right? A ball <laughs> of yarn and, and needles and start making things like whether it's in the airport or in a meeting at work. Yeah. I'm like endlessly fascinated and envious of those people. Yeah. Like I just, <laughs> that they have this thing that they can just pull out and just start doing and be making something it's like it's a it's fascinating to me it's very calming Mm -hmm. i know like if i'm feeling anxious and and i take some knitting with me and it just helps me get out of my head and just focus on what you know my hands are doing yeah that's a big part of i think fiber arts in general is just that sort of zen focus of getting out of your head yeah and um, for the people listening to this who might not have yet gone and looked at your website or Instagram or Facebook, um, can you describe uh, your design aesthetic to us? How, how would you describe that? So I, I'm very drawn to uh, mid-century sort of very classic uh, lines and geometry. Um, I think that, that that has a huge influence on me. Mm-hmm. When I look at my designs, I think I think about that a lot. So would that be, um, I'm sorry, like mid um, mid century, twentieth uh, yes, century? Like, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like Mad Men. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's like looking at me like he has no idea what I'm talking about. What would that? Th- I Mad don't. Men. Yeah, it's but a what whole is that? Aesthetic mid century, like Herman yeah. Miller yeah. chairs and like all that. Yeah, like. Danish okay. modern and yeah, there's lots of the colors and patterns um, have, is a very distinct. If you I, I get you, it. I get you, Paula. I know what you're talking oh. about. Okay. Um, well, I'm just assuming that um, you know a lot of the people listening to this might not like me. I think they most may not people know know that they may not know this world, right? right yeah, and that's why I'm asking. I think at these yeah. questions. I, I literally yeah. don't know the answers. I think at this point, if yeah. you don't understand what we're talking about, yeah. then you need to go look it up. Okay. So <laughs> look at it. 
Go look at uh, Google Mad Men, right? And no, look well, at mid-century. Mid-century. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, design, right? Like yeah. That's what we're yeah, mid-century about. modern design. Modern design. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. now, do you do you try to create things that are inspired by that aesthetic and do something entirely unique and new, or and just like echo those elements? Yeah, I think it's it's a background influence for for what I do. I don't I don't try and replicate it in any way. It's just mm-hmm. kind of something mm-hmm. that is in my mind when I'm working. Yeah. And do you have any muses? Like do you what um what will what what might drive drive you to come up with a a new interesting design? That's an interesting question. Um I would say color is kind of, is kind of my muse. I mm-hmm. mean, that's the thing that I think I'm most known for is the color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, what when you say that, the thing that pops into my mind and people listening to this, go to Paula's Instagram and look at it. There's a picture of somebody holding, I think it's one of your pillows, and a jar of what looks like um, some kind of jam, like a bright purple jam, um, and 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 the and I think the pillow, either the pillow was reminding somebody of this particular jam, or maybe the the jam was the, the color the color the of the jam was inspiring the pillow or huh. something. But um, it definitely seemed like the the two were linked in some way. Did you say jam? Yeah, and maybe oh, I've got. Yes. Yes, that's a picture of me holding my cranberry sauce from Christmas, and I have a crocheted <laughs> shawl on. <laughs> ah, okay. So I, yeah, I got I, that all wrong. Yeah, but I, you got you got you got the color analogy. You got that right. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I'm asking um, were were those those two associations intentional? Like, did Absolutely. they did the <laughs> did the cranberry spa sauce inspire that piece or? Vice versa. Did you? It, it inspired that picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with, with the shawl. Yeah, that was very intentional. Absolutely. What's your favorite color? Oh my gosh. Or uh, color cannot, palette. Yeah, like color palette would be better. Yeah. I like I like kind of um, mixing browns with purples or blues. Mm-hmm. Th- those are two of my favorite. Or pink, brown, brown and purple, pink or blue. Okay. Are, combinations i really like a lot i noticed um, i noticed purple plays a big role in your work and i love purple purple is my favorite color yeah but i also like black and white and mm-hmm. earth tones too i don't mm. think i have much of that on instagram but um yeah, yeah i've I worked in that range too cool um uh, when we started off you were talking about the importance of texture to you um and how does texture and color play? Do they do those two play together? For me, they do. Yeah. Um, a lot of weavers like to weave the flattest cloth they can, and that's mm-hmm. that's not my thing. Um, so I'll, I'll pick um, a treadling pattern where I can get some kind of texture. It might, might not be very thick you know if you look at it it might seem to you not very thick but i know that there's there's a texture there with the pillows there's definitely texture like Mm -hmm. if you go on my instagram there's one pillow 
set in particular that you can see there's dimension there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, well, I think of those two, two in, in conjunction all the time. Are, do you feel like you're creating landscapes with it, sort of? Um, that's a good question, too. Yeah, sometimes they do kind of look like landscapes, even mm-hmm. though that's not necessarily my intention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my intention is more um, just what does it look like one color next to another? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how do they inter- interact? Yeah. Because it's very different in weaving than in painting. Like you can lay these colors down in a way that you can see that right away. Whereas in weaving, you're mixing colors like threads interlacing one and another. And you can't really know exactly how the color relationship's going to end up. Right. Yeah. yeah. In, in my mind, when you're describing the texture, in my mind, it was like topography. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't know. That's like the image I got. I think. Texture for me can make or break a garment or a pillow or or whatever it is. Like it can make all the difference for me about how I enjoy it. I know that sounds weird. No, it doesn't. Um, or even how I view something. Uh, the stupidest example pops into my mind is like um, uh, the robe that um, Kylo Ren in Star Wars wears, right? <laughs> He has this like gorgeous black robe, but mm-hmm. it has this like this 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 I don't even know how to describe it. This like little piling texture on it that almost is like armadillo skin. I don't think I've ever noticed it. Yeah. Oh, I've paid lots of attention to this kind of stuff, stomping Jen. Apparently, you do. <laughs> Robes. That's that's very cool. Um, and but like, and I've seen a replica of that um, robe up close at Disney and. It just adds like that the texture of it just adds so much to it in terms of its character and mm-hmm. how it how it stands Hello. out and how it exists in the world. I don't right. know how to describe it. It's so interesting. Yeah, it's not it's like you you don't want to just look at it, you want to touch it too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um so the other thing I was kind of thinking about is the role that um textiles and garments play in human civilization, right? Like, arguably, we may not have been able to um, spread out across this world without the benefit of clothing, right, that we're able to produce for ourselves. Um, And I'm wondering if you ever think about the role of textiles in, like, human history as you're working with these fabrics and if they if you do do they influence your pieces or they just i'm curious about your thoughts about that yeah um i'm not sure they influence my work in particular but certainly thinking about um weaving as a practice and just how much it's uh transformed human history i mean think about sails on a ship Right. That cloth all had to be woven Mm -hmm. in order to, you know, get it on the ship and make the ship be able to go somewhere. I mean, that's just one example. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's right. And clothing ourselves and all these rich garments that you see from various time periods in history, all every bit of that had somebody had to make it by hand. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. 
Um, and do you, and, and do you think in particular ways about how, um, handwoven articles connect people in places? Are there certain, um, areas you're particularly interested in either, you know, personally, or maybe as a, a as a historian of fiber arts? Yeah, there's, I mean, South America, mm -hmm. they've produced so many amazing, beautiful textiles. Um, Indonesia, mm -hmm. some really beautiful, beautiful textiles there. Um, Europe, you know, um, Scandinavia, mm -hmm. all those places have, to me, really, really beautiful textiles. A lot of um, geometric shapes and that I'm drawn to come out of those various cultures. Yeah, it's fascinating to me how... Geez, it's it, I'm I'm thinking trying to in my mind reconcile where clothing transcended becoming purely like an article needed for survival and became a, a form of artistic expression, right? Like I just that's so fascinating to me mm -hmm. because it it's extra work, right? Like mm -hmm. extra cognitive work, extra physical work to make these things not only functional in their protective um, role, mm -hmm. but also to make them like beautiful. Like, I don't know. That's just, it's, it's so interesting to me. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's like it all, I think it all evolved out of, you know, class and privilege where people could afford, you know, very comp complex pieces of fabric made into clothing. Mm hmm yeah. I uh, don't know. Yeah. Um now do you see do you see weaving and textiles that are being um produced today um as having a particular role um in in contemporary society? And do do you think we'll look back on the stuff that we're making now here in the in the the two thousands in any way and hundred, 200 years from now be reflecting on them in some way. That's interesting. I feel like uh, everything's sort of grown exponentially from, you know, taking all these various, since, since we're also interconnected, taking all these various visions from other cultures and whatnot and putting them into our work today that it's just, it's our time period is kind of a reflection on everything that's come before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm thinking about too, um, synthetic fabrics, right? Um, like I, um, I do uh, stomping gen some exercise now and then again, <laughs> right? And I only wear synthetic fabrics, right? Um, because they they perform better mm -hmm. for exercise. Right, it's better than wearing cotton. Definitely better than wearing cotton for right. sure. Um, you know, they dry quicker. Right. They they wick heat away from the body more right. effectively. Keep you know you, what else does? What wool? I love wool. Thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, so I'm wondering, you know, and I know synthetic 
fibers have been around for decades, but I'm wondering if people will look back on a, on an era of synthetic fibers or something. I don't know. And what what yeah. what's what synthetic fibers are yet to come? Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's I have no idea. You might have to um Paula master the nano weave for <laughs> nano fiber particles or something. <laughs> I'm not sure my eyes are up for that task. Well, by then by then we'll have um ro- robotic eyes. eyes that you can yes. right, exactly. Just put in. Um Yeah, um I'm just trying to think about it when I when I think about fibers and textiles and fashion. Like nothing stands out to me what now. Do you mean? Like are we like we're in this period of fast fashion. We already had this. We already oh, we did. This. Yeah. Is this what it is? It's fast it's fashion. Fast fashion right now. Everything okay. is just recycle. And then and then like Paula was referring to, there's this return back to mm-hmm. hand um, hand more. Um, it's like the same thing with food, right? It's this idea that it was, you know, fast food culture, fast fashion, and now that's the return to like, you know, local, regional, more um, thought uh, into what you're putting on your body, in your body. Um, yeah, I mean, I think because of the pandemic, we've, all of us have been given this opportunity to slow down and pay attention and right. look at things. And so handmade things are now becoming, you know, they, they're, they're having a sort of resurgence in right. a way that they have been for a while. But I think now people are more interested because, you know, especially potentially, can I try this myself? Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because like, you know, uh, a couple of weeks back we were talking about um, we just watched Bridgerton on Netflix uh, and you were talking about the costumes. I love right? the costumes, on and Bridgerton. it's all about the, those rich fabrics that they use and the use of color, and you know, that's like a very like that all that kind of clothing was like really. I mean, they focus a lot on the fashion in that show too, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting. Yeah, it looks so uncomfortable though, as beautiful as it is. <laughs> Sure yeah, all those, those corsets that the women wear had like whalebone in them and they cinched them so that like, you know, their ribs started to. Oh, my God. It's awful. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very happy in my sweatpants. and <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go back there. Yeah. I mean, back to the pandemic and um, I'm going to call it. Um, slow clothes. That's what they call slow food. Like sure. the, yes. right. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Right. There is a term. Stomping Jen picked me up a pair of alpaca socks, right? Mm. I love these things, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, this is probably TMI, but one of the things I love about them is you can wear them and they don't smell. Right. Like you can wear them <laughs> multiple times and they don't pick up like your foot odor. Mm-hmm. Somehow they are like this magical fabric that doesn't stink ever i'm gonna buy you a full wool wardrobe (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's 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 true and they're warm you know i can wear them around wax poetic about your it's just but it's this thing it's this thing that we were talking about before about the comfort right and these things will last for i just feel comfortable when i wear them Mm -hmm. I feel enswaddled. I'm going to get you some wool underwear. <laughs> All right. I'll try it. <laughs> I will try it. Um, 
Okay. Um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to ask, kind of related to your your switch um, from clay to fiber, and maybe you mentioned this already, is <clears throat> transitioning from one art form to the next. Do you miss working with clay? Do you? I know you said you're still collecting it, and you have pieces around, but do you miss the medium, like getting your hands in there and doing stuff? Some, sometimes I do. Yeah. Sometimes I think about it. I mean, where I have my studio, there's a lot of um, potters there that I'm mm-hmm. friends with. And um, sure, yeah, I probably could just go, hey, do you mind if I come in here and play with some clay? And I, I definitely could do it if I wanted to. Yeah. Where is your studio? Um, it's in an old mill building mm-hmm. in Florence, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Is it at the Brushworks? Or? Yes, yeah. it okay. is. Yeah, so that's great. What is it like? Is it important to you to be in a building where you're surrounded by other artists? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I don't right now see people at all, but um, before the pandemic, it was nice to go visit somebody's studio and have a chat when you needed a break. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice to know there's other people there to, you know, mm-hmm. if you need to talk to somebody to hang out or whatever. As yeah. a creator um, and an artist, do you need a separate creation space? Like that's outside of your living space and your home space? Yes. Um, I started out having a space in my house and it grew to get be way too small very quickly. Um, But now I find myself using it again during the pandemic. There was a while I didn't go over to the mill building. Mm -hmm. So I do work in two different areas, two different places. Yeah. Is that a a function of the needing separate space for the looms and the materials? Or is there something about leaving your living space and going to a creative space that inspires you? All those things. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I have way more material than I could fit in my house. And my loom, my one loom is too big to really fit in this small room I'm in right now. So it's nice to have this big open space with high ceilings. It just feels, it feels Mm -hmm. like another world to me. Yeah. Yeah. I love those old mill buildings, just like walking around the creaky sounds on the stairs. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, this one is particularly so. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love it over there. Um, your studio is called Studio 338. Does that name mm-hmm. have any significance? Yeah, that's my studio number in the building. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made my, na- my, my studio name really simple. Yeah. Um, what's the favorite... What's your favorite thing about that space? Uh, my studio looks uh, out in the back across these fields to this farm. Mm-hmm. Um, I often think this would be the ideal space for a painter, which there are many in the in the building, and they probably have great views too. But it's just a really awesome view of these really, you know, fourteen foot high windows. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, so you're as part as when you started the transitioning into becoming a a fiber artist and making all these things, um, you started pursuing a master master's weavers, um, certification. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that is? 
Yeah. So um, <laughs> I just finished this five-year program last year oh, wow. where it is very technical and went through what we call weave structures, which there are many of. Weave structures, different materials, different fineness of materials, um, and learning to do them all with some proficiency. So now I'm in this phase of independent study where I have to submit all of these um, woven articles that meet particular criteria to cover all the things that we learned. Mm. It sounds like this should be called a um, a doctoral weaver's certification. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a master's program where you you know you submit your your thesis to mm-hmm. a committee and mm-hmm. they approve it or they don't. It's very much like that. Who um. Who sits on that committee? Is it are is it fiber like artists in the area, or is it a national kind of board? It, it's no, it's it's other weavers in the area. It's a very it's a very local thing. It's mm-hmm. a little um, independent school here in the town I live in in Florence. Mm-hmm. They have all sorts of programs, um, but the weaving program in particular is very structured. That's so cool. Do it. you, um, when you started working in the fiber arts, did you have somebody who, another artist or something who served as a mentor to you? Yes, absolutely. Um, the woman who I was working with, um, was a, a weaver who had learned, um, from a, the Swedish technique of weaving, which was very particular. There's there's different styles. It's kind of like knitting. You have continental and then you have the uh, other form, which I can't remember. Anyways, um, yeah, she helped me a lot uh, just with like the technical stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then um, I did a lot of sort of self-teaching by looking at books and getting all sorts of things wrong. <laughs> That's right. That's kind of that's why I wanted to go into this program to like learn how to do things right, because uh, kind of my philosophy is once I know how to do all these things right, then I can mess around with them and do things a little t- different twist on them. Mm-hmm. When you mess up a piece, right? Can you recycle the materials? Like, can they be woven back into the source fiber somehow, or mm-hmm. or is it just what do you do with a piece that you got 75% of the way through and maybe you messed up the line that you wanted to do or something? What do you do with that piece? Um, I usually use all my cloth. I'll, I'll do some patchwork pieces, you know, kind of like quilting. Mm-hmm. And I just, I try and use as much as possible. I never throw anything away. I've also started to use my extra warp that gets cut off that doesn't get woven and make them into tassels and make these like garland uh, tassels out of the yarn. Mm-hmm. I try and use as much up as I can. I don't throw anything away. When you make a mistake, do you document it somehow? Like, do you have a notebook? Like, how do you, how do you make sure you don't do that thing again? <laughs> We're curious about that's that. Very, that's a very good question. Yes. Documentation is extremely important. Yes. There are ways, if you catch something quickly, you can undo it. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you've gone, like, you've woven six inches and you see a mistake, you either have to fix it when it comes off the loom or be like, eh, that's just not going to work for what I wanted, intended it to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
is it easy to identify the sources of mistakes or is it can it be something as simple as or some sorry maybe something as hard to uncover as i forgot to lift my foot at that point and you just might never know why you made that mistake is is it hard to figure that out um the more i've learned the more i'm able to see the mistakes right away <laughs> um and if i don't to catch them and and know what i did wrong and the tricky part when it's off the loom the cloth is relaxed so it's a lot harder to go in there and pick exactly the right threads to like replace it to make it right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. something i like to avoid doing so technical yeah i was gonna say it's very seems, technical it seems yeah. like that would be a really hard thing to be able to fix yeah. with some of these um some of these designs the further you get into them Yes. It feels like the stakes get higher and higher as you go <laughs> as you go along. Exactly. Yeah. Um so this this question popped into my mind as I was thinking about fiber, right? Is that pests love fiber. Moths <laughs> and yes. moths and mice. Like how, are those a problem for you and like how do you deal with them? Well, I haven't, mice haven't been a problem for me, but I have seen moths Mm -hmm. and I have dealt with moths. Yes. I keep all my yarn in bags, all the, all the wool, Mm -hmm. wool, silk, wool and silk are the ones that they'll eat. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So those are all in bags. And then I keep all the things I make in bags Mm -hmm. because there's been outbreaks of moths in the building. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And, and moths yeah. are surprisingly hard to get rid of once mm-hmm. you get them. Yes, they are. I remember the house I grew up in, we had some kind of like grain moth that infested um, our cabinets. Mm-hmm. And it was like they were darn near impossible to yeah. get rid of. Like we yep. literally had to throw everything away yeah. to get rid of them. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you don't use them. Um, uh, cedar, cedar. I do. I do use cedar. I keep uh, cedar or, or some. Sometimes I use also tea tree oil on a cotton ball, and I put it in with my yarn mm-hmm. or my garments to keep to make sure mm-hmm. nothing gets in there. Yeah. Does cedar actually work? It, they don't like strong smells. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the thing. That's why cedar is the thing. Yeah. I wouldn't think closet. a. Mo- I wouldn't think a moth has a nose. <laughs> So when we somehow it repels them, I don't know. Yeah. So when we uh, convert your wardrobe into full wool, yes. we need to invest you in some have cedar. cedar closet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> could you? Could I just sleep in a cedar like sarcophagus of some kind? I would. <laughs> you could. <laughs> I'll just have one outfit. Good luck with that. Like a vampire. All right. <laughs> That's just a disturbing. Well, image. wool doesn't smell. Uh, I think you have to wash it occasionally. All right, fine. <laughs> um, um, how? Ha- so you talked a little bit about this. Um, has the pandemic posed challenges for you as an artist? Um, yeah. So I usually do two events a year: an open studio, and then I'm involved with some other weavers, and we do a, a studio trail, mm-hmm. kind of like I don't know where you guys live, but. There's usually potters are doing some kind of pottery trail. 
so we modeled it after that mm -hmm. um yeah so both those things got you know canceled, canceled. Yeah. so yeah. everything is for me been converted to my online um shop which uh -huh. i put together this year yeah talk to us a little bit about um having an online presence as an artist has that been an easy thing for you to do no, because it, you know, I mean, as an artist, I want to be making things. I don't want to be spending all my time photographing and writing and, mm -hmm. you know, Marketing. doing Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yes, all of that takes time away from making things. But it's important. If you don't do it, then nobody's going to know who you are and see your work. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel that you've gotten more exposure when you've pushed into that that realm are, are people discovering your work more i mean i noticed on your website several of your you know your pieces are sold out so that that must that must mean people are are going there and seeing your your stuff and buying your your materials and your items yeah absolutely uh, makes a huge difference uh, posting on instagram in particular mm -hmm. um and and also facebook yeah. 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 And I noticed too, um, it looked like you had uh, a couple of videos up on Facebook and some links to some interviews. So, I mean, I think that, I think that's, that's really great. It seems like you're, and you're doing this podcast. It's, so it seems like <laughs> yes, you're, exactly. it seems right, like you're, exactly. it seems like yeah. you're getting out there. Yeah. I know it's, it's, you know, I do, uh, like management consulting and like books and like, you know, the business side and, you know, for artists, you know, it's like they, like you just said, they want to be creating. It's all this other stuff that when you're, you know, a one-stop shop, you know, that you have to do all the marketing for yourself and all the, you know, background administrative stuff that yeah takes exactly. you away from the art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and forgive me if I'm, if I'm prying too deep here. <laughs> I mean, are you... Did you have a career before you decided to pursue art full time in this way? Like, are you um, are you doing are you doing these things now to generate an income, like primarily, or is the, is it one of these situations where you feel really driven to do the art, and if you make money from it, that's great? Or like, talk to us a little bit about the balance between um, art and art and, and the business. business of art. Um, I've always made stuff because that's what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's kind of a, uh, it's a, it's who I am. Mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. it, I've always made things since I was a little kid. So yeah. it's whether I'm going to sell it or not um, in some ways doesn't matter. I mean, it's nice to be able to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't have to um, be super concerned about it at this point. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I I would do it regardless. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I'm just I'm reflecting on our own podcast journey here, Stomping yeah. Jen, yeah. and there are so many people I see out there who try to get into podcasting make money right and my my feeling I, I mean i'm a fan of this medium right i i love 
listening to conversation. I love talking to people. And we don't we don't monetize our podcast in any way. We have no plans to. Like we purely do this for the love of it and for the um desire to like connect with people and get people's stories out there. Right? But what are you trying to say? I guess what I'm saying is I feel like <laughs> even if we were making a living off of this. Yeah. It's a creative outlet. It's a creative outlet. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you do it because you love it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I ideally, I wish our society was more appreciative of mm-hmm. creativity in that way. Um, but it is, right. it is what it is. And, you know, I do it because I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, what... What's the strangest thing a person has asked you to make? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um I seriously cannot think of anything strange. I, what I have written down here is the is an example and a question mark. And this is only <laughs> this is like only half of I'm only half joking. Like I wrote down like a death shroud question mark. <laughs> Like I thought that maybe as a as a textile artist that could be something somebody might ask you to make. Sure, yeah. And Absolutely. would would you make something like that if somebody asked you? If it yeah, if it was, you know, if it was if it was the right situation, I would do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a curious thing, but I can't think of I mean, I would say no if somebody asked me to make them something that I just did not want to make. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Again, because I love what I do. And if I'm not going to love what I do, I, what, what's the point? Right? Yeah. 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 I think Stomping Jen's writing down a note here. She's planning, she's planning, okay. she's planning okay. my death shroud. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're making it out of alpaca. That, that's right. Yes. It's going to definitely be made out of wool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we don't have to wash it. <laughs> <laughs> and it good, would be purple wool. That's a good point. There we go. That's a good point. Um, okay, so um, what um, what's next for you, Paula? What do you have? What What do you have coming up? I mean, ho- hopefully this this pandemic's going to end at some point, right? Um, what do you see? What do you see in the future? Where Where is your Where is your fiber arts going to evolve to? Well, first I have to complete this program of uh, my independent study, which um, I'm in the midst of, and also just working along, um, making the work that I make. And it, it changes over time. I can't really project how or why at this point. But mm-hmm. um, And then the other thing is the group of weavers I'm involved with um, to do this studio tour that we've been doing since... 2017 mm-hmm. um, just sort of working on that and, and trying to evolve mm-hmm. for, uh, the sort of mission we have to make it a, a bigger thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you connect with other textile artists for that like do you like quilters and um, at this point it's just weavers just, weavers, just yeah. local weavers mm-hmm. yeah yeah because we wanted to focus on that specifically yeah i know um so we do we live out in belchertown oh uh uh-huh 
And there's a, a huge like um, quilting community. They have a big show every year annually. Yeah, there is. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, You're quilting's not. another fascinating thing. You should have a quilter on your show. Oh, that's an idea. Yeah, I'm trying to get that alpaca farm. Oh, did you write her? I did. She didn't get back to oh, us. I'll write her. All right. Thanks. Um, yeah. Sidebar. Sorry, one other question. Like, what does it mean to have a group of people and artists who share a similar interest that you can connect with and presumably be buoyed by and draw inspiration from? How important is that for you? Um, it's somewhat important for me. I mean, it's nice to be able to talk to people that speak the same language mm -hmm. yeah. you know like every discipline has their own language you know people can talk yeah. about what they do and how they do it and share information and techniques and whatnot mm. um for weavers there's there's usually guilds that people belong to mm. yeah i was just thinking about that like how i didn't want to say it but i, I was gonna say i really want to belong to a guild <laughs> That sounds so cool. Oh my god. <laughs> like it's an ancient like it's an ancient concept and idea and mm -hmm. and it, it's fascinating to me that there are guilds. I don't know, you and I want to be part of one. Guild. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Get on that. Like you have nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> Start a guild. I know. I'm right looking at on, you on your, on your life list, Paula. I'm looking at stomping Jen. I'm saying not another thing I have uh -huh. to do. I think. I think. <laughs> I think I will not start a guild right now. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. All right. Um, is there anything that was sort of in your mind that you wanted to to chat with us about, or or or, or bring up? Make sure we covered. I think we. I think we did a really good job covering a lot of great topics. Yeah, um, me too, and I really appreciate it. We have two kind of fun questions we like to end with um, <laughs> that are not really necessarily related to um, art. Oh, they, they can be. Um, mm -hmm. One is um, when you're not um, involved with um, textiles and weaving, what do you like to do for fun? How do you, how do you keep yourself occupied? What do, you draw, what do you draw inspiration from outside of your art? Uh, I like to go for long walks in the woods and just be outside and have my head be in a just completely different space. And um, I just, that just helps me just kind of let go mm -hmm. of anything that's, you know, questioning, or bothering, or, you know, something wasn't right that day or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Um, the second question, um, and people have interpreted this question um, in all sorts of ways. Um, so I'll just I'll just ask it. Um, what What have you experienced that you cannot explain? Oh, what have I experienced that I cannot explain? <laughs> I I don't know if I if I knew that. I don't. That's a really curious question. <laughs> yeah, um, and and your your response is not outside of um, what we we often get as an answer to that question. So that that's totally that's there's totally a, fine. There's a Zen Buddhist 
uh, concept called Only Don't Know. Mm, tell us about that. Um, my interpretation of it is, I you know, it's okay to not know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You don't have to pretend that you know something or you have some yeah. answer to something when you don't. And that not knowing is can be just as valuable as knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I live in a world of not knowing things. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> I don't know anything. Yeah. And I, I, I frequently find, <laughs> I'm not agreeing with you. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm still ruminating on my own not knowing. Yeah. And I, I frequently find myself. But that's why we talk to people. Yeah. So we can learn about things we don't know about. And it's, it's just humbling to not say, I don't know. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, really, I just don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, I want to encourage everybody listening to this, okay, to please go to um, Paula Valletta's website. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's linked in the show notes. Um, presumably, if you're a fan of this show, you will see my social media posts about this. I will be providing links, Stomping Jen. Oh, great. In those posts to Paula's website, to her Facebook page, maybe the Instagram. Excellent. <laughs> right? That, I mean, people can find their way to those things off of the website anyways, right? Correct. But I will pre- be providing links in Excellent. multiple forms. Please go Link check the up. Yeah, please go check these things out. Um, Paula makes beautiful artwork um, with textiles. And I'm going to be checking them out. There's lots of purple things. I love purple. And wool. And wool. Don't forget the wool. I love purple and wool, so I will be checking them out. Excellent. Um, So please go do that. Um, What else, Stomping Jen? What else do we want to say? Uh, Wear a mask. Wear a mask. You forgot to tell our our listeners and fans that we love them. We didn't finish. You asked me for one thing. Oh. Okay, go ahead. Uh, We love you. Yep. Get vaccinated. Yeah, do all of those things, right? Share with a friend. Yep, if share. you like our episodes, don't, make sure. Right, don't share the vaccine with a friend. No. Share this podcast with a friend, please. Yes. Um, Download, subscribe, Yeah. share with a friend. That's right. Um, and if you are listening to this and you say, I would like to appear on yes. the Soft Serve podcast. All we you want to talk to you. Yeah, just reach out. That's okay? right. Okay. Um, and we'll... Yeah. Schedule you up. Right. Um, and again, um, <laughs> finally, Paula, thank you. Um, I I have enjoyed our conversation immensely. I learned a lot. Um, like you like you said, I I do feel comfortable operating in this place of not knowing things, and I look forward to learning yes. f- from these conversations. And I, I learned so much from speaking with you. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. It was enjoyable. Yeah. All right, are we gonna are we gonna play ourselves out of here, Stomping Jim? We are. We're gonna hit the music. We're gonna say bye. All right, mine. No, mine will be the final bye oh now. Oh my gosh! What okay. is happening over there? All right, folks. Um, bye now. This world of ours, ever growing smaller must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom 
will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity, and that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed by the binding force of mutual respect and love. I shall never cease to do what little I can to help the world advance along that road.